Last weekend, our neighborhood had a garage sale, and we'd really never participated, but at the last moment, we decided that we would do that, get rid of a few things, and make a little money. I think we made $183, so Kathy and I sat down and wondered if this was the time to retire or not, and uh, we concluded that that probably wasn't what God was saying with that, but she wanted to do something nice for me uh, for Father's Day. And so uh, we decided to, to buy me a grill. We like to grill out, and I think I'd had that grill about eight years, and it was falling apart. And so uh, we decided to do that because her father was here, and um, her father is a handyman. And uh, I knew that I could not put that grill together by myself. We needed someone to be able to read instructions. I just can't look at that. I could look at it for 10 or 15 minutes. And I could read it, and I still would be clueless. I have no ability. So it was a great weekend. It was Father's Day. We made $183, bought a grill, and my father-in-law and I put it together. Isn't that great? Aren't you glad to hear that? We, we all have our unique skills and abilities and talents, and we need to share them with one another. So whenever her father uh, is here, uh, there's always a, a time of a lot of uh, projects that we do. I've discovered in life that I'm not able to do everything that I would uh, wish I could do. And I think that's true for all of us in here. We're not always able to complete all the things that we desire. I've entitled the message today, He is able. He is able. Let's pray. Father, we celebrate today that you are able. You're able to do what we can't do. You're able to be for us what we can't be for ourselves. By definition, God, you're able. And so help us today to rally around that reality and that knowledge and that truth. Teach us today from the sacred scriptures and encourage us and Equip us to be the godly men and godly women and godly church you want us to be. Because we're connected to him who is able. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever faced a difficulty, an obstacle, or a challenge that you were not able to handle on your own? I don't know, it just seems that At times, life throws at us challenges and difficulties and traumas that that overwhelm us. And I don't know about you, they don't always come at times when I see them coming. It's like, oh, here's here's a you know storm cloud coming, and let's get prepared. It's just like one day I wake up and it's raining. It's already there. Life just has times and seasons and chapters that are very difficult. There are just some situations in life that we're not able, qualified, or competent to accomplish on our own. As much as we want to believe that we can handle anything that comes our ways, especially guys. Bring it on. I'm a man. I, I can handle that challenge. But the reality is we're not equipped to handle everything that comes our way. For example, there's most of the people I know carry a hurt, a sorrow. A pain, a wound, a disappointment, 
some unforgiveness because of something that's happened in their past, and that reveals we weren't able to handle it, even though we thought we could, and maybe we thought we should. But because of those things we carry as as baggage, if you will, in our lives, it says we really were not able to handle that. The awesome reality of the Christian faith is that the God that we love and we serve is able to help us overcome all things. God never designed human beings to go it alone. Why do we as human beings, especially we in the West, just think we can do it ourselves? Now, we wouldn't usually, especially as Christians, be so brash to go, hey, I I can handle it, God. But don't we do that? Okay, God, you know, just kind of be on the sideline and I'll call you in when, you, when I need you. But the rest of the time, well, you just kind of stay over there because I can handle it. I know what I want out of life. I, I can go for it. I'm a type A personality. You know, I'm goal-oriented and, and I can get it done. But we were never designed that. We were created to need God. That should be simple. And yet it seems to elude so many. We were created to need God. And our faith in Christ connects us to a God is able. He's able to help us overcome everything that this earthly journey will throw at us. And he's able to help us to fulfill and obtain the very best he has for our lives. And with that in mind, I'm going to invite you to open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. Again, I don't think this is a surprise to many of you. We're taking a study uh, of uh, Ephesians. It's going to take us about six months. We're pretty much about halfway through this. And today we've come to verses um, 14 through 21. This is a wonderful and inspiring and encouraging portion of sacred scripture. And... um, I hope today the words that you hear as I read and as I preach, they'll find their way into the center of your soul, and you'll leave her to go today going, gosh, I'm excited. I'm excited about my faith. I'm excited about what God's doing in my life. I'm excited that I'm connected to Him who is able to help me in all things. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and following, written by the wonderful and great Apostle Paul. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.
Isn't that neat? I love this portion of the Bible. I say this often. If you were the preacher, what points would you ponder with the people? There's so much there that I've, I've narrowed it to 16. No, just kidding. Six today. There's 16 in there, I guarantee it. But six today. I want you to ponder with me how these words can be applicable to our spiritual journey, to our lives, to our relationships, to our faith, in regard to a God who is able. First point I'd like you to ponder with me is what I call positional humility. Positional humility. Do you see it there in verse 14? For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Other verses up to this point in the book of Ephesians, Paul has revealed to us his perspective and his uh, personal attitude about humility. He's talked about his humility. And now in this particular verse, he takes it a little farther and he shows how that's translated into a positional, physical posturing. Do you see that? I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, if God really is God, and He's really worthy of our love and our devotion and our worship and our praise, isn't it feasible that we should spend more time on our knees? If He really is God, if He is the Almighty, if He is the Sovereign One, if He's the Creator of all things, if nothing is too difficult for Him, isn't it feasible that in a practical way, His people would find themselves on their knees a whole lot more? I think so. I've been challenged by this. I've been in the faith a long time, I think 37, 38 years, and I would say for most all of that time, until maybe the last year, year and a half, a common way for me to pray was on my knees or laying before the Lord. I just want to be honest with you. You know, some people like pastors that fake it and say they're, they're great and they got it all together and people go, wow, isn't he a great guy? And then there's others of us that just say, I'm just another guy on the journey. I think sometimes it's important for me to even reveal my challenges and weakness. I've gotten lazy. I've gotten lazy. It's pretty comfortable just to kind of lay in bed and read my Bible. And Now, I don't think God is mad at me, not chastising me and say, you're not a good Christian. Because, see, getting to our knees is not only about showing reverence to him who is worthy of that. It's really beneficial to us. Because it reminds us that we need to be humble. Is that we need to get low. We need to lower our pride. We need to lower our self-agenda. We need to lower our self-focus. I don't know about you, but when I get to my knees, it, there's something different in prayer. It feels different. I sense something different. Because God honors humility. He honors when we recognize who He really is. And I want to ask if any of you, and you don't have to raise your hand or sign any sheet, but I'm going to ask, would there be any other people in here today that would be willing to go on a journey with me for the next 30 days? 
and whether for 30 seconds or a minute or 10 minutes, whatever it takes, that you'll join me in this challenge that you'll be on your knees every day. Now, I do recognize there's some in here because of physical situations. You're not able to do that, but you could join us in, in, in mentality. But if you are able, for the next 30 days, I'm going to make a commitment to you. And if you want to join me, make a commitment to me and to the Lord just in your own mind right now. And for the next 30 days, join with the Apostle Paul and many of the great saints and with one another in here that we'll be on our knees. Positional humility. I'd love for God to look down and say, look at that church. Matter of fact, if I had it my way, I'd probably say right now, let's just end the service and let's all get to our knees and and just say, God, you are worthy. So I just want to encourage you, if you want to join me in that challenge, I make a commitment before God and before each of you at some point in my day for the next 30 days, I'm going to invest in positional humility and I'm going to find myself back on my knees in prayer. Second thing I think we can ponder is a question that I'd say, what's going on inside of you? You see that in verse 16, it says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit. Where? In the inner person. In the inner man. In this particular verse, the Apostle Paul points out a primary need for every human being. That Almighty God would be granted access and be working on the inside of us. The inner person of the heart. Let me ask you a question today. Is God working inside of you? That's an interesting question. Ponder it for a moment. Is God the creator of the awesome Almighty One, is He working inside of you? And another question. If you say yes, what's God doing inside of you? What work is He doing inside of you? The reason I say this is because we live in a world that's predominantly external focused. It's about the external Our culture is infatuated with the outside, what it looks like. Now, how many of us get up every morning and go, how do I dress and adorn myself inside for the day? But how many of us get up and go, how do I dress and adorn myself to look good for the day? I go to the closet and say, what am I going to wear today? And it's so easy to find ourselves living life with external focus at the expense of internal focus. I think it's very important for us to prioritize what God's doing in the inner person, the inner man, the inner woman. And Paul says, hey, my prayer for you is not that you would look good externally or that you would focus your life on all the external things. He says, my prayer for you, my desire for you, is that you would be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner person. 
I don't know about you, if you've received Christ into your heart, some of prayer would be, God, will you just keep doing a great work inside of me? No matter what's going on externally, God, do a great work inside of me. The third thing I think we can look at today, I'm just going to call it, it's all about love. Um, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, right? And then I think it was Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? I'm telling you, folks, it's all about love. And you see it there in Paul, and he speaks about it in verse 17. He says that make Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded. What? What does he want you to be rooted and grounded in? Love. And then 19, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. One of the greatest and most important lessons we're to be learning and we can learn on the earthly journey is the love of Christ. We're to be learning the love of Christ to live this life. And to fail to learn the love of Christ. In the end would be. Ultimate vanity. We miss the most important thing. See, through the good times and the challenging times, the positive seasons and the negative seasons, we're to be learning the love of Christ. Jesus Christ loves you. Why doesn't that startle us? Why doesn't that overwhelm us? Why doesn't that bring us to tears anymore? The fall of 1978 heard my story of being an angry, broken, drug-dependent kid. And when I first gave my life to Christ and I heard that Jesus loved me, I wept. Jesus loves me? Does he really know me? You know, some people maybe can go through life and as they say, they're always comfortable in their skin. I don't know why I'm not always comfortable in my skin. And I've learned over the years, this is not my home. As I'm out running and I'm listening to uh, my headset, there's a song that Chaz Miles wrote. You've had Ch- We've had Chaz here a few times and... Um, and it just says, I want to be where you are. It's one of my favorite. Now, I, folks, I'm not suicidal. I'm not depressed. I don't need clinical treatment. I'm a little crazy once in a while. I blame my mom for that. <laughs> when she dropped me on my head a few times, or she said she dropped me. I don't know. No, just kidding. <laughs> I wasn't born... For this life, I was born for eternity. And I know I'm a deep feeler. I'm over the chart feeler. (laughs) Jesus loves you. Pretty profound. Stop to think about it. 
Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the entire universe, loves you. And throughout your earthly journey, He wants you to learn how much He loves you. When He blesses you beyond your wildest comprehension, He wants you to know that's because He loves you. When He meets you in the deepest, darkest, lonely, most difficult, traumatic challenges of your life. He wants you to know He loves you. And everything in between. He wants you to know His love. It's profound. I'm glad that Paul uh, mentioned that to us. Fourth thing is he's able. Do you see it in verse 20? Now to him who is able. To him who is able. To him who is able. To do exceedingly abundantly. Above all that we ask. Or we think. This is one of my favorite verses. In all of the sacred scriptures. It's so positive. It's so inspirational. It's so encouraging. I think I was talking with Barbara Moon earlier today. If we could just truly capture the depth and the essence of this one verse and let it find its way in our heart and our mind, our relationships, our existence, we would be transformed. It's that powerful of a verse. He is able. Please notice how that verse starts out. Now to him. Now to Him. My friends, it's all about God. Our lives all about God, the Supreme and Sovereign One. He is able. Nothing, nothing, nothing is too difficult for Him. When I first became a Christian, I believed that and I sought that and I reveled in that and I celebrated that. And now 38 years later, far too often I use my experiences and my disappointments and what I believe are unanswered prayers and my confusion and theologically I'm a believer, but practically sometimes I'm an atheist. A practical atheist. Yeah, I believe God's able. Sometimes in my mind, in my heart of hearts, it ain't ever going to happen. He's not going to do that. Oh, I wish I could stand up and tell you I got it all together. And But I, I believe part of being a leader is being real. That's hard for me to face, but... Again, I've allowed too many of the wounded, disappointing experiences in my life to really say he's not able. Maybe more not willing. Does it, does it matter if I let my doubt rule over my faith? It's still practical atheism, isn't it? It is for me. He is able. What a wonderful truth and reality. God is able. 
Our inability should cause us to cry out for his ability. Did you hear me? Our inability should cause us to cry out for his ability. To him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we ask, what we pray, what we think, what we imagine. He's so much bigger than that. He's so much bigger than our needs. He's so much bigger than our desires. He's, more, he's so much bigger than our prayers. He's so much bigger than we, what we can ask. He's so much bigger than what we can think. His ways are not our ways. I need a touch of God. I need a renewal. I need a revival to not only believe in my head He's able, but in my heart to say He is able. Maybe there's a few of you out there, you're like me, and you've let your experiences dictate your theology. And in your brain you say He's able, but when it really comes down to it, doubt. And disbelief comes in and basically what you're saying is, God, you're not able. You can say that to yourself. All this week in preparing, in almost everything I've done, I've said, God, you're able. When I've seen a blessing and he's come through, God, you're able. And when uh, the doubt creeps in, the fears creep in, my needs creep in. This week I've been saying, you're able, you're able, you're able. Yeah, I've been talking to myself. If you need to call the authorities, that's fine. I've been talking to myself this week. He's able. He's able. He's able. I struggle with all kinds of fear, predominantly in regard to my kids. (laughs) Anybody ever felt that way? (laughs) So every time I've been tempted this week to fear for my kids in one way or another, he's able. He's able. He's able. And I'm not just trying to coach myself. I'm speaking the truth. I'm meditating on the truth. I'm reinforcing the truth. And I want to say that to you today. God, our God, is able. No matter what you face, whatever you are facing, whatever you will face, God is able. Why are you pounding on the pulpit? Because He's able. Five. Is his power working in you? Because sometimes as a Christian, we just think, ah, I'm a Christian. Everything's fine. Going to heaven. God's with me. But is his power working in you? See the end of that verse. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we ask or think, what? According to the power that works in us. If God is God by definition that means he is all powerful he's full of supernatural power this text seems to indicate that his power is expressed in us and through us so is his power working in you you know i ask a lot of questions so that you can ponder not only at this moment but i'm praying the holy spirit on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, brings those back to your mind so that you can ask those important questions to grow into who God wants you to be. So do you feel His power inside of you? Can you sense His power at work in you? To have faith when it's easier not to have it? 
Do you feel his power when temptation comes knocking on your door? Do you feel his power to love when you don't want to love? Do you feel his power to serve when it's easy to say, let somebody else do it? Do you feel his power working in you to say, hey, nothing else is as important as your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So set all that other stuff aside. Don't buy into the lies. Don't buy into the detours. Don't buy into the deception. Stay focused. Do you feel his power? Because his power is what translates into that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. And if we doubt his power, we're not going to probably see that. I've said this on many occasions. The church needs to see a renewal and revival of God's power today. Thank you. Just a little thing and then I'll have the band come back in just a second here. When I first became a Christian, two things happened within the first three or four months. I was... Here in Chinatown at a church called First Christian Church, a Wednesday night service, and I had a buddy, and his um, his girlfriend came with us to church. I I got saved. I I led my my buddy to to Christ, and then he brought his girlfriend who was a non-believer, and we came to a Wednesday night service. I'll never forget it. Six oh eight East Drake. Uh, at the end of the service, they said, "We believe that." Uh, Marianne, how are you? Remember, we remember those days, don't we? I just stirred some memories in you, don't I? Yeah. Um, and they said, we believe Jesus heals people. And we believe that he's given the church power. And if you have a need, we want you to come and we want to pray for you as elders. We believe God will heal you. And so my buddy comes up and, and his girlfriend is sitting right there. He's sitting right here. I'm standing behind and one of the elders at First Christian Church, a great old saint, was our doctor, Dr. DeYoung. How many of you know Dr. DeYoung? Now his son Doug is my doctor, but his dad was our family doctor, and he's one of the elders. And they began to pray. This girl had one leg that was shorter than her, the other. And I know I've seen the kooky stuff and the things that they've revealed about people playing games. But here's the point. They began to pray that God would heal her leg. And all of a sudden, with my natural eyes, I'm a brand new believer. I watch this. That leg starts growing. And it starts growing out farther and farther. And the elders are going, whoa, Lord, whoa. <laughs> like it was going to keep stretching out forever. And it came back and it was dead perfect. And what does that do in a young man? who's seen the power of God at work in such an incredible way. Man, it was the power of God. That was no hoax. A couple months later, I'm going to have the band start coming back. A couple months later, I was living with a couple of guys, and we lived over here in the Dora Park, and a new young man moved in next door to us. And um, his name was Ernest. And again, we're all brand new believers. I mean, we're not but a couple months old. And we're hearing some weird banging and scratching going on over the, the, the you know, in those apartments, you know, there's no room between, uh, uh, thickness between the walls. And one particular night, Ernest comes over 
and uh, we talked to him. We talked to him a little bit about the faith. And, and this guy falls down in front of us. He begins to roll around, and the deepest, dark, demonic growl came out of him. Folks, I don't know. Is the preacher around? Let's call him. And that's not what we did. Young, brash people, we started praying. In the name of Jesus, you come out. I won't go that, but I want you to know, in my experience, not a lot, probably 15 to 20 times I've been involved in demonization, helping people get free, what they would call exorcism. And a lot of that's weird, really weird from the movies. But I can tell you it's true. And I don't have time to give you the whole experience. I want you to know we need a renewal and a revival of the power of God in the church in America today. Because where are they finding it? And we're not exhibiting it. And I'm not getting on us. I really am not. But I'm saying to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or imagine according to the power that's working us. And some of you are going, man, I don't want to go to church. Stay away from Pastor Jeff. He's revealed he, he was involved in that. That scares us because we really don't know who he is. And we don't know if we really have got the power. And I really don't want to deal with that. I want you to know when you get to set somebody free, it gives your life meaning like you've never had before. I'm going to preach and didn't I? Better hit the last point. To him be the glory. Verse 21. To him be the glory in the church. To him be the glory in the church. The Greek word for glory here is a Greek word doxa. D-O-X-A. And it means dignity and reputation and honor and worship and praise. Being a Christian is about revealing to the world our God is so awesome and incredible and amazing that we praise Him, that we worship Him, that we honor Him. Our whole life is to be spent to bring glory to God. It's the opportunity and the responsibility we have as Christians in any and all things to bring glory to God because He's able we give glory to God. I've got numerous friends that are Pentecostals. I don't know what that brings up in you. And I've been involved in many Pentecostal meetings. And flipping channels over the years, I've heard the Pentecostal preachers. And both in my friends and in meetings and those preachers, uh, I kept hearing them say, Glory to God! Glory to God! That would just bug the heck out of me. That would just rub me wrong. I don't know why. It'd get under my skin. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And being the unjudgmental person that I am by nature, I slipped into being judgmental until I read this particular verse in Ephesians chapter 3.21. It says, And to glory to God in the church. They got it right. And I repented and I said, God, I'm so sorry because it really is about glory to God. Glory to God, no matter what we're experiencing, no matter what we face, glory to God. Have you ever heard God is good all the time? Because all the time God is good. What I'd like to do is change it. He is able. So glory to God. Glory to God. 
because He's able. What if we started doing that once in a while? We started it right here. No other church in America. We started it right here. Glory to God. He's able. And because He's able, glory to God. If you leave with anything today, leave with that. Glory to God. He is able. And He is able. So glory to God. Let's stand. Let's stand. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, and all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, darkness tries. Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. Oh, see how great, how great is our God. Time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The God had
great as the Bible says, would you put your hands together and tell him, thank you, God, you're a great God. We worship you, God, you're a great God. Hey, two things, if you're a man, I really want to invite you, we've got this men's study coming up in a couple of weeks, it'll be a great time to grow in fellowship for some guys to get together in the morning early and share the word and share life. Please, as you leave today on the uh, back connections table, write your name down so we know if you're interested, so you can come on by. You don't have to make a commitment, but let us know if you think you'd drop by. And last of all, I just want you to know as you go into this week, He is able. Amen. God bless you. Love you very much. Bye-bye. How great is our God.